Hey, Oscar. See you, mate. I will now be assuming the role. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, of you're co-host. gonna have to intro us. So. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the massive opportunity to go. Do the Beatles. Nice. What? I nice. You said I'll be assuming the role of Oscar. Oh. So of co-host. All oh, right. I would never presume to assume the role of Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I probably couldn't intro the show. Yeah. Even if I had to. So you, you better not. You better not go anywhere. Well, I couldn't last week. <laughs> yeah. True. Okay. And you forgot who you were. So How much faff yeah. have we had? Okay, are we going to get something good out of this? this? Oh, there's heaps of good shit, man. <laughs> I'm on <laughs> Oh, we're using this? Oh, yeah. The, the, this we, is this we a gonna, cold open we, before we... We, we usually oh. cut down... I mean, no, this is probably going to be the cold open, what I'm saying right now, but we usually <laughs> cut down the first 10 minutes of faff into like a funny three-second sound bite, and then the music kicks in right here. <laughs> and, that, and that'll do it. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Didn't fuck it up this week. No, it was good. Yeah, you remembered your own name. (laughs) Two episodes in one week. Uh, This week we're doing Promising Young Woman. That's right. New film by Emerald Fennell that I think was released technically last year. Yeah, Uh, who gives a fuck? Playing a bit of catch up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, We've got a special guest this week. We do. Uh, first woman of the podcast. Yeah, no pressure. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> first, first international guest of the podcast. That's true. First highly educated guest on the podcast to to upstage us two dumb fucks. Dumb fucks with what? <laughs> as in like mere honors degrees or more highly educated? I I just feel or like you just mean we, like we 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 like project dumb fuck energy anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about a sort of. Uh, Intellectually outclassed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We've got housemate of the sh- housemate of the podcast. Yep. Taryn, welcome aboard, Taryn. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That was such an intro. It of was. <laughs> it was. Hope you feel welcome already. I do. I'm. I already feel that the bar has been set too high. <laughs> no. I, w- I was going to say that Taryn has been. Tar- Taryn is like stowing away down in the cargo hold somewhere, but let's be honest, we're the ones propping microphones up on the fucking ship toilets yeah, while Taryn right. steers the ship. <laughs> Taryn's trying to lead a normal adult life. Yeah, we're, we like, we're going to go to the back out. room and record our podcast. <laughs> yep. Well, yep. actually, as it turns out, I also have a podcast. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, that, because, please. you know, it's 2021 and that's what you, you do to. when there's a pandemic. You have to. And this, <laughs> is, this, is, this is the only podcast that's not fronted by two white men. So I feel mm. like... True. <laughs> I, I feel like... Uh, it, karmically, at least, we're obliged to let you plug this. Thank you. So, <laughs> for those who uh, like listening to uh, people talk about science topics mm. in a fun, funny way, um, me and my friend, uh, Dr. Benjamin McAllister, uh, have a podcast that we call The Uncertainty Principle. Our cool. logo is like a little whale with like little atoms around it because I'm a marine biologist and he's an astrophysicist. So, cool. you nice. got the, the crossover there. Mm. And we talk about all kinds of fun Science-y things through the lens of culture and history and and society. It's oh, a good cool. Time. Okay. And you usually and have like a topic each week. Yeah. So we've had two out now. The first one was about bees, and the second one was about wine. And we have another yeah. one coming out for the the physicists or people who would like to learn more about them. And our next episode is going to be on dark matter, which I think should be live by the time you hear this. Oh, great! Yeah. And that, that's available sort of anywhere that people find their wherever podcasts. you get your podcast. We can link right. it in the in the yeah, dis- we'll link in the description. Aww, thanks, guys. Spotify or, or, or something. Cool, 
Cool. Very cool. Well, I'll have to go in on that. I didn't realize the first two apps were out. I knew this was being <laughs> produced, but... Uh, yeah, we yeah. finally did it. We've been talking about it for like literally four years. Yeah. And then this year we were like, we cannot delay <laughs> any longer. Right. We've been recording episodes for four years. We just didn't get around to editing them until right. now. Well, that's, that's the, the hard sucky deadline. bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> Once you've been recording and banking episodes for four years, if you wait five years, you're no longer allowed to say, I have a podcast. No. Yeah. You just say, I have a friend that I record conversations with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was originally a live show. We've done it live at the Perth Fringe Festival for four year, three years now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. This is our first award-winning comedian of the podcast. Did, that's true. Did you know that Taryn did the show at the Perth Fringe Festival and won best comedy show not best they do like weekly awards and we got right. a weekly comedy award we, still best com- best comedy we- of that week award-winning comedy show award-winning comedian the bar is far too high yeah, lower no. it again forget <laughs> everything you just <laughs> yeah. heard no, no, no. all right well um but yeah we- go, go check that out that sounds very very cool yeah, and thank, thanks. And th- thank you Tara, for being on the program yes thank you for having me of course um we should probably start off with some news sure you ready boy yeah let's do it Beef bulletin. Do you sing that every time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's manual. That's not automated. We had we had a listener write in. I thought it was pre-recorded. No, we had a listener write in and say they thought it was pre-recorded, and they said I thought it was pre-recorded for fifty episodes, and then in episode fifty-one, Andrew really fucked it, and I realized like, oh my god, are they doing that live every time? Yeah, and I'd like to say so. I've been on my phone very rudely for the first ten minutes of the show, and it's because I have a timer for the Twitter app on my phone, and that's the only way that I have access to something that we'll talk about later and so I am frantically going through <laughs> sort of saving information off the Twitter app before my last like four minutes. <laughs> what do you mean you have a timer for Twitter? <laughs> like I have like a you know one of those things where it'll kick me off after an hour every day or whatever oh, so it just God. locks you out of the fucking app. <laughs> I realized after I opened it, it's like, you have three minutes left. Like, fuck, I'm like, fuck, oh fuck. fuck. <laughs> I gotta God. save some pics. Alright. Um, well, uh, news, news this week. We've got a special Oscars Segment of the sh- segment of the of the beef bulletin this week because the Oscars nominations just b- became announced. That is what I uh, was trying to say <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> that was um, all the images of them. But I, yeah. I figure we'll, yeah, we'll became announced we'll is right. Pull up some of our patented uh, patented journalism first. Um, how's this for a first first headline? Breaking news. Front page headlines. MGM's iconic lion mascot has been replaced by an all CGI version. Starting this year, mm. it's going to be the first time Disney style in almost a hundred years that the fucking MGM lion is Aww. not going to be a real life lion. Why? I don't know. I hope they absolutely fuck it. <laughs> that it just looks <laughs> really so bad. bad. <laughs> it's like polygonal. It looks terrible. Because they weren't allowed to dye a real lion blue. Yeah. Well, that would be good too. Yeah. yeah. Are they the ones that do that? Uh, that's Warner Brothers, right? That really like mess up the logo at the start. I don't think uh, MGM yeah, have ever really, really like done that. Yeah. I've never seen the lion. They get like a lion with a scar on his head. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. For what? For Harry Potter. Harry Potter. (laughs) Potter. (laughs) Is MGM like, do they do Harry Potter? God, that's very No, it's Warner Brothers. Brothers. The first one I went to. I just watched the third one yesterday. So they like always swoop through the W and the B and they make a whoosh sound. And it's like a bit smoky. Yeah. I remember the Matrix one. That's how I know it's Warner Brothers. And the WB goes, oh, my parents. That's. A great Daniel Radcliffe impression, mate. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> well, uh, that's what you were going for. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we can get you on the pod and we can just as easily kick you uh, off. Oh, me bloody parents <laughs> are dead. Oh. Um, 
Here's another one. Netflix is looking is looking at cracking down on password sharing. Quote, if you don't live with the owner of this account, you need <gasps> your own account to keep watching. Wow. Fucking Are you kidding me? No <laughs> thanks. Yeah. They're going to lose like a lot of revenue, I would imagine. I look forward to seeing how they think that they can guarantee this because it says here in the second paragraph of this article, users can verify that they are allowed to access the account by a code sent by text or email. Like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be, okay, this is, this is who this is screwing over. This is screwing over the most vulnerable population, which is people that have like their sister-in-law's password <laughs> right. from like four this years is, ago uh, this where is someone only has lo- forgotten <laughs> about it and they absolutely <laughs> cannot ask them for the details no. again. Yeah, this is only locking up people who are using their ex-girlfriend's Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is this is hunting down the exes. This is this terrible. Is, this is definitely or or it's gonna see a massive uptick in people who are suddenly like huge purporters of like being staying friends with your yeah. your exes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like just believe in communication. Uh, ghosting people's over. Yeah, fuck yeah, exactly. Oh, and it's terrible all, news all for the, so many people. All the sake of saving fucking six dollars a month. Mm. No, it's way higher than that. It's like fourteen or eighteen. I paid for twenty because I got a fucking four K television. Well, all damn. right, damn. Bullshit. Well, uh, so do you, but you're a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I want to split a Netflix membership. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's where I got stuck. I thought, like in my head, you were saving six dollars. You were saving six dollars because you already split the account with someone. But then you're Who not. Would have been paying twelve. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah fine. Great. Yeah, which is still I not got right. the numbers wrong. Yeah. Uh, what else can we get Maths. here? Robert Pattinson's The Batman <gasps> production has wrapped. The film is currently set for a March 2022 release. Mm. That's like a year. But what? what are, they, are they fucking like CGing the bat suit on him in every fucking well, scene? Well, they probably got to like... put him on a respirator between every scene because he <laughs> fucking got COVID. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Not it my was... babe, our pets. Yeah, I know he did. The, I was pretty fil- worried. The oh. filming was delayed because they had um because he had COVID. In fuck. hindsight, I really should have checked in more on that because I was like, fuck, I hope he doesn't die. And then I just haven't heard anything. So I'm assuming he's still alive because I've heard <laughs> nothing else. But fuck. The last yeah. I heard of him was that crazy GQ interview yeah. that he gave. Yeah. He yeah. Like, got the, the little, pa- little pasta Yeah, pockets. he like yeah. put a metal thing into a microwave. And the interviewer <laughs> yeah. is like live... Live streaming, he's like, I think that's a microwave, man. That's yeah. not an yeah, oven. He was yeah. like, No, 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 that's an oven, and then exploded the microwave. And it's written very, like very, very good. Robert Pattinson proceeds to insert the aluminium foil into what he <laughs> thinks is an oven, but I know is a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> so well, one of the best written yeah, yeah. articles. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? What else? What else have we got here? Dev Patel's directorial debut, Monkey Man, is set for Netflix. Mm. Uh, he Dev Patel's got a thirty million dollar deal. For Dev Patel's directorial debut, which will be coming out in 2022, uh, doesn't say what it's. Well, it does say what it's about, but I haven't read the article. The film is also oh, partly inspired by the Hindu myth about half-human, half-monkey deity Hanuman. Right. Which I guess is why it's called. Monkey why it's Man. called Monkey yeah, Man? Yeah, cool. yeah, that makes a Can you say debut again? No. <laughs> uh, now you say it how I say it, which is astonishing because we grew up in different countries. <laughs> <laughs> but you say it in a really messed up way, man. I feel like Where you're sort of splitting the wicket between debut and... What do I say? I don't know. You said debut. 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 You put a real <laughs> emphasis on the boo, yeah. which is very weird to me. Debut. I don't have a funny retort to this. No, I just, I'm <laughs> just making fun of you because what you do is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Every time you've ever said that word on the podcast, it has like... Like made me shudder. <laughs> I said, like, I said, we're rooting I, out truth this yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've got the courage to point it out. I've just let it slide every other time. I'm like, God, I Damn. hate the way he says that fucking word. I said opaque. I said opaque weird last week as well. I said opaque. Yeah, 
like I mosaic. I wasn't pulled up on that. Is that another word you got a problem with? No. Great. Well, you know you said it wrong, but I think you think but you're you saying debut with me, in the right but you way. You don't have a problem with me saying it that way. You had a problem with me saying debut because mm. you self-corrected, so I can't right. bring it up now. Cool. But you don't have a. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fix it. Right. I'm causing so much strain. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's get. Let's get to say driving a wedge between us. Ten. <laughs> oh. Um, I think that's probably all I've got other than the fact that Kenneth Branagh is going to be directing a Bee Gees biopic movie for Paramount Pictures. Oh, that's Hell yeah, funky. the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't have anything else other than that. I, I'm kinda, I haven't watched a single music biopic film yet that's been good. Rocket Man! I don't think it was good. What? I think it was fun, but Rocket I don't think Man you like musicals. Uh, no, I like musicals, but yeah. like Rocket I Man, don't like Rocket musicals. Oh right, <laughs> That's sorry, you were that getting was confused. you. <laughs> yep, correct. <laughs> Just because we're two white men with a podcast, Taryn doesn't mean we're the same person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I, I expected Rocket Man to have a lot more like psychedelic dream sequences, and it kind of it didn't have enough for yeah, you. Yeah, definitely no. had a lot of them. <laughs> he had a fair few, like I the reckon. Pool shit, where he meets a kid yeah, playing the, the piano pool. in the bottom I of the pool. Like, bottom oh, I wanted to be like all meeting a meeting a kid in the bottom of a pool. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. there uh, was plot to his life. God, I wish I had a quick reference for a film that's all about that, but I don't. Um, I wanted to be like Donnie Darko shit. I haven't seen Donnie Darko, but you know that's what yeah, I clearly. Um, I think that's probably all I've got in the way of news, brother. There's a few headlines that I found that are kind of related to the Oscars, uh, so I can well, fucking save them. I can whittle. The, I can whittle. I can. I can rattle. Cole? Rattle uh, them off. Not like whi- I, I want to like intertwine them. I can rattle them off as you go through the Oscars. Is that what you were going to say? No, but it's close enough. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> when you think of it, just say it. <laughs> no, no, right, I don't cool. think so. Yep. So the Academy Awards late last night released. Uh, the nominations for all of the um, all of the awards and God, there's so fucking many of them. Oh yeah, fuck! I, text- I had no idea. <laughs> there's like thirty of these there's motherfuckers. It's a text- long show. I texted uh, yeah. Andrew. I texted Andrew at like six thirty this morning, being like, "Hey, Oscars nominations got released. Don't read them. I'll I'll surprise you with them on the show." And he was like, "Nope, already read them." Like- <laughs> well, I, I thought I had, but also I, I definitely saw all of them because I've seen the one for Best Picture. So that was how I assumed I knew all of them. But I, I don't think I looked at thirty. You're scrolling like- through a giant gallery. There's definitely an article you could get that's just a list of those, man. Nah, that's fine. It'll it'll be fine. But I will skim over a bunch of these. We're not going to cover every fucking award. That was a list of those, comma, man, not a list of those men, but both statements are probably technically accurate. Yep. But All right. Go so off. Going on to... So, uh, I guess, um, Taryn, jump in when you've seen uh, some of the films. I, 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 I feel, feel like, like we've missed most many, of these films. Yeah, did many of these... Heaps. Yeah, we, we missed heaps. We missed heaps. Yeah. Okay, well... I, yeah, I feel like I've <laughs> seen about... Maybe two fifths of the films that are cool. mentioned in this. I reckon, no, and you I have a movie podcast. I do. So yeah, I'm yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear fucking uh, best short documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get that sound I'll skip that shit. shit. Yeah, right, yeah, cool. yeah. Okay. Um. So we got actress in a supporting role. It's really funny. The first one on this list is uh, Maria Bakalova from <clears throat> Borat. Subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. God, I hope Borat two that wins. Title like is six. written in full. Every single time yes. Borat 2 comes up, and it comes up more than once. Imagine, yes. I, I could just imagine fucking Helen Mirren having to get up on stage yeah. and be like, and the award goes to Borat Film for Mate that Benefit. Surely not <laughs> to say Borat 2. Oh, Christ, it's funny, but it really fucks the formatting of any card that oh, it's in. Because yeah. the rest of it's just like, oh, Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, they're going to be like, and, the, and the, the Oscar goes too, and it's going to flick out a giant long fucking yeah, scroll, yeah, yeah. like something out of. What? It makes tights. me wonder if they did that with Birdman as well, because that has a fucking long title. Oh, um, yeah. But everyone forgets about it and just calls it Birdman. So I reckon they'll just do, yeah. 
uh, Borat 2. Anyway, okay, so um, Olivia Coleman, uh, as I said, Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy, which Didn't apparently is that. a um, really shit movie. Uh, Olivia Coleman in The Father. Nah. Amanda mm-hmm. Seyfried in Mank, which is that David Fincher film about oh, the what? production past of that Citizen of Kane. On Netflix. Yeah, apparently it's not that great, but it is nominated for shitloads of stuff. Great. Mm. And then uh, also, you- it's about Hollywood, so I predict it wins heaps. Mm. Well, yeah, maybe. I think we said that last year or the year before about how like heaps of Best Picture winners are ones about movies, like The Artist and Fargo. And well, there's yeah. just like several. Who's several, voting on yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. There's like there's like <laughs> right. several, it's like the most circle jerk fucking award. Anything that's about like Hollywood saves the world. Yeah, mm. yeah. So you know maybe. Um, mm. And the last one is Yu Jung Yoon from Minari, who I believe plays the. Oh, that's the cabbage movie that you saw. The wife. The other day. Yeah. So Minari is the only one. Oh, I've seen Borat two and Minari. Um, I don't none know. None of these. There's probably not enough room, and I guess I would be the authority on making a prediction here, but. Yeah. Um, It'll probably be like Glenn Close for Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy. Um, I, I, I no idea for that one. Yeah, we'll see. Although I would like that to be uh, Yoo Jung Yoon from Minari, I think. But also, yeah, I haven't seen a few of them. All right, skipping over. Costume design. No. Um, okay, original score. Let's quickly rattle through these. The Five Bloods by Terrence Blanchard, which I actually thought had a great soundtrack. Terrence really, Blanchard I, I also did the soundtrack for... Black Klansman, if I noticed you happen to have seen that. Oh, the soundtrack in Black... I haven't seen any of this. The score in Black Klansman was cool. Yeah, Terrence Blanchard is a genius. The soundtrack I noticed in The Five Bloods, I didn't really notice the score as much. Right. So... Uh, I just remember them using that Marvin Gaye song a lot. Right. There's also Mank, which is not- notable for it being Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, right. who seem to do about 40% of all <laughs> film scores, so it's less impressive now. Uh, Minari with Emil Masseri, News of the World, which is the first time I've ever heard of this movie. No. Oh no, that that's the movie with uh, I know I think that I think Liv Hewson is in that, and okay. I think that Margot Robbie is in that. It's it's like three. If it's the movie, I think it is. Oh, it's the like one about three the three women News. journalists. No, yeah. that that's no, that's Bombshell. Oh, ah, fuck. No, no. I was going to make fun of you by saying, no, you're thinking of Bombshell, but you were actually thinking of Bombshell. <laughs> um, just because it's got the word news in the title. <laughs> you dipshit. It's been a tough year, all right? Yeah. Uh, that's by James Newton Howard. And then also Soul, um, the Disney film, which is by Trent Reznor and Atticus They're nominated Ross. for two. <laughs> yeah. And also John Batista. That, what? John Oh, Baptiste. Yeah, right. John ba- Baptiste. Baptiste. You said John Baptiste. It's not Baptiste. It's Baptiste. Uh, Baptiste. Baptiste. He's um he's the piano player in the Steve Colbert, Stephen Colbert house band, and he's like an accomplished jazz musician in his own right. So maybe oh, okay. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the electronic bits of the score, and John Baptiste did the jazz piano. Bits. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, that was sick. Uh, Soul's the only one I've seen, but it, I was I really noticed the music. I really liked it. I, I like um yeah Terrence Blanchard. I and Minari. I noticed had a nice soundtrack, but like. The rest of the film was so uh, nuanced and kind of minimal yeah. that it was it just fit right in with the rest of the tone of the movie. So I can't say I noticed it too much. Did you skip Best Supporting Boy? No, I'm doing them in, in order. Weird order. Let me okay. do my job, mate. Stop micromanaging me. <laughs> um, adapted screenplay. This is one of the funniest ones because Borat has its title written nearly in full. Why is uh, Borat nominated for adapted screenplay? I, I think all sequels are automatically in the adapted screenplay category. Um, is that fair? Uh, I mean, Life's it's not, not fair, like Oscar. an original property, <laughs> but anyway. The Joker movie was nominated for adapted screenplay. <laughs> so check this out, mm. right? Um, screenplay by Sasha Baron Cohen. There we go. 
and Anthony Mines and Dan uh, Dan Swimer, Peter Barnum, uh, Erica Rivinoja, Dan Mazer, Jenna Friedman, Lee Kern, story by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, and Nina Pedrad. Does that break that four names rule that I thought was a thing? uh, What do you mean? I always thought that you couldn't credit more than four people. No. I don't know. Well, maybe, but That'd I don't know. That'd be kind of rude. There's probably some weird Oh, sag. sorry. You only contributed the fifth most, so you're yeah. banned no, from the Oscars. I thought it was what some like this, screen, academia? I thought it was some screenwriters guild, some sort of screenwriters guild thing where like you can have as many people as you want credited to your script, but there's a maximum of four people who can be credited as like written by. And hmm. that I, I heard someone on a podcast like six years ago say like, that's a bit of like a warning sign if you see like a script written by four people, because that means they had fucking millions of people just like dipping in on this script. Yeah, well, this has screenplay by and then story by. Which and is, is it screenplay by four names and then story by four names? No, it's screenplay by like seven names. Oh, what the fuck? The Father, screenplay by Chris, whatever, I'm not going to list who it's by. The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. So uh, we saw Nomadland and that shit we saw was no, And then insane. we saw the trailer for The Father. The fa- that was that one with um, Olivia Colman in it. Yeah, she was nominated. nominated. Yep. Who was the old dude? I don't remember. But there was Olivia Colman. Oh, the Anthony. Father? Uh, Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> who I believe is up for best actor. Yeah. All right. Uh, original screenplay: Judas and the Black Messiah, which I watched uh, the other day. Oh, I've heard that's sick. Is it's that, very is that good? good. Yep, it's really good. Uh, Minari, which is cool. Promising young woman. Um, hey, I've exactly. seen so that one. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. Uh, Sound of Metal. Um, I've heard that's really cool as which well. Which I really need to catch up on because it's actually done very well in, I, I, in the nominations. That's one because uh, Riz, Riz Ahmed, I haven't seen most of these, but I saw a headline saying Riz Ahmed is the first Muslim to be nominated for whatever category he's been right. nominated in. Interesting. There's a few of them actually. Yeah. Um, not Muslims, but people who are the first of their, <laughs> <laughs> first of their kind to be nominated. Billions for of them, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, The Trial of the Chicago Seven by Aaron Sorkin, uh, which I really, really hope doesn't win. All right, we're skipping. Yeah, fuck that guy. We're (laughs) skipping live action short film. We're skipping. Oh, no, here we go. Actor in a supporting role. All right, (laughs) Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of the Chicago Seven. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, His performance, like, whatever, I don't know, but that's a bad, bad movie. Um, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah. He's been awesome. Also, Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, it's pretty hard to pick between the two of them. They're both leads, essentially. So So they're both supports, mate. Well, yeah, that that really sucks because I feel like both of them deserve a lead actor role. Is there a lead Mm. character that's higher up than those two? No, there isn't. So I guess they just had to give them both supporting because they can't give them both lead. Like, it's very weird. But either way, I think this is a nod to the strength of their performance and and both of them are fucking excellent. Uh, Paul Racy in The Sound of Metal and Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami. So He was uh, in Hamilton. Oh, there you go. Um, I haven't seen it. So I reckon... (laughs) Oh my God, we can do another episode on that if you'll have me back. (laughs) If I haven't already burnt my bridges. You can fill in for me on that app uh, because there's no way while I'm still alive I'm watching Hamilton. Oh, Uh, uh, (laughs) I said earlier that I hate musicals. You did. In particular, that one. So I reckon Daniel Kaluuya or Lakeith Stanfield, I'd be very happy winning this one. They were both fucking excellent in that. Um, What is that movie about? Uh, it's about a, um, it's a historical fiction, or sorry, h- historical adaptation uh, about a Black <laughs> Panther fact, called, man. yeah, about a Black Panther called Fred Hampton, who is essentially among the ranks of like MLK and Malcolm X um, right. in terms of like being a revolutionary during the era of um, civil uh, rights. Civil rights. Movement. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but he sort of was a little bit more, what's the word? 
maybe militant in his approach. Not so like a non explicitly non-violent, but militant. Right. Um, so where like he, more controversial. Right, rather than being as much, I'm I'm not really I'm speaking very out of turn from my understanding here, but yeah. rather than taking as much of a pacifist approach, he encouraged people to, like, I think he was one of the proponents of like the Black Panthers engaging in like open carry and having weapons right. because they were like, we're not going to shoot you, but we are going to fucking have guns if you let us, you know, because we're sick of this bullshit where only one of us yeah. has guns. Um, so he was encouraging for that kind of thing. Yeah, right. I'm interested in watching all of the documentary feature ones, but I'm not going to go through them. No. International feature film. I don't know any of these. Have we seen any of them? No. No. Um, yeah. Okay. Skip that one. Sound. Let's skip. Production design. I do want to mention because it's one of the few uh, nominations that Tenet got. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking production design. I, I forgot that. T- Did you see Tenet, Taryn? No, you complained about it so much. I yeah. decided not to. <laughs> Fuck Good yeah. Call. Good. Hear um, that, Chris? So, so yeah, I'm sure he's listening. The um, the production designer and the set decorator each get credited for this award, which I think is interesting. You also got the father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, <laughs> and News of the World. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know right. about that one. Cinematography, I don't want to talk about. Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, I mean again, Nomad because we we just saw Nomadland the other day. Mm. It was very. It's a beautiful looking movie. It's a beautiful movie. looking movie. And very well shot. I suppose uh, so. That was probably its biggest strength, to be honest. It I seems think, that they were just pointing a wide angle lens at a big mountain every couple shots. Yeah, it like, had some very understated, like, long takes and that kind of thing that I thought were really interesting and would have been very difficult to pull off. But it was such an understated film. I guess we'll talk about it at another point in time. Yeah, sure. But I think the cinematography for that, I'd, I'd love for Judas and the Black Messiah or that to win. Fuck, this is a shit year to be going through these nominations. I haven't seen any of these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whose fault is that? Mine. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we'll skip over visual effects, makeup and hair. Oh, visual effects oh, also <laughs> also a nod to Tenet. Sweet. Um, makeup and hairstyling, we're going to skip. Animated feature, I guess we'll touch on briefly. So I haven't seen most of these or any this of them. This is always actually. just like the current Pixar movie, <laughs> the current DreamWorks movie, and then three other movies you've never heard well, of. Well, would you believe that uh, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, is Oscar nominated. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Ugh. I don't know if that makes it a small year for films or what, but... Also, Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Um, I'm kind of interested in watching oh, I think, some of them, I, I so. think I've heard that Wolfwalkers is really good. Mm, yeah, well, I'd assume it's so. Nominated it's nominated for Oscar nominated. <laughs> yeah, got there. Uh, we'll skip over original song. Okay, here we go. Actor in a leading role. Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman, um, posthumously nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. There's a lot of people saying that's a favorite because of the posthumous nomination as a way of recognizing him. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, as you mentioned earlier, Gary Oldman in Mank, and Stephen Yeun in Minari. Was so, he good in that? Yeah, he was really good. Like yeah. I reckon. It. It's another film. Yeah, <laughs> he is nominated right. for an Oscar. Well, also, there's a lot of these where like, yeah, I don't know. It's Do another film. Get, oh, sorry. sorry. No, Do you no. ever get like real um, hung up on the fact that they're called the Oscars? <laughs> I was about to say, it's been like three years and we've never done that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Um, There's something there. I, I don't know what it is. About that. I reckon we've no, we've that probably done it every year. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, a fan, go through and find uh, why Oscar's wrong. I don't know. I, I, I just feel uh, very self-satisfied every year. Good, mm. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So, uh, Stephen Yeun is the first um, Asian-American actor to ever be nominated for the leading role. Wow. So yeah, go. and Riz Ahmed is the first uh, Muslim to be nominated for best actor. Right, so a category of firsts. There you go. Uh, okay, we'll... 
Uh, okay, and here uh, we go. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins is also the, the first, <laughs> first white old, old man. man. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Great. Great. He's actually been acting as the rest of them. And also Gary Oldman, so I guess it's a year for both of them. <laughs> nice. Ugh. He's the first old man. I regret laughing that loud. It wasn't that funny. Yeah. All right. Well, sucks to be you. Uh, all right. Actress in a leading role. We've got Ooh. Viola Davis. Viola? 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 Yeah, one of those. In Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, Andra Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday, which I had never heard about I oh i have heard of that one right yeah i saw a trailer it looks really good yeah i can't i was kind of keen to watch it billy holiday is like my uh my family loves billy holiday mm. um everyone in the like my parents generation and uh, they're just not someone that i know anything about so yeah i'd be keen to keen to watch that and find out uh vanessa kirby in pieces of a woman which I feel like I've That's heard. on Netflix, isn't it? Oh, Vanessa yeah. Kirby is the actress that plays... <laughs> the um, princess? Princess Margaret the in The Crown. Crown. She is... Right. So hot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> great. Well, you can look also at some great pieces actress. of a woman in another... Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. Like uh, to look at some paint. No, we're fine. No, keep great, going. Great keep going. Keep going. Keep going. to be like that on. <laughs> uh, Francis McDormand in Nomadland. I, mean, I wouldn't shut up about how hot Eric Banner is last week, so I feel like I'm an That's equal opportunity. That's prude. true. That's true. <laughs> a prude. Not prude. Whatever the opposite, the opposite of that is. The opposite of that is. Uh, Horn dog. Yeah. Horny on your main podcast. <laughs> uh, Francis McDormand <laughs> in Nomadland. Now, um, that, that it's, Nomadland's weird because it is this... Uh, Bizarre blend of documentary and performance um, that I've sort of never seen before since I watched both Borat films, which are the <laughs> other films that I can think of that do that. Oh, and I'm so, so happy Sasha Baron Cohen's not nominated for yeah. Best Actor. Uh, or Best Borat. Actress. And so <laughs> I think Frances McDormand does do an amazing job in that, and I'm kind of glad it's being recognized, but also it feels very weird. Anyway, Carrie yeah. Mulligan in Promising Young Woman is the last nomination for Actress in yeah. a leading role, and I think that is well-deserved. And to be honest, that... Is kind of the one that I hope wins. And she has won before for something else, I think, hasn't she? I think she won for... Hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know why I started this. Don't know, like I thought I would Should've know what the answer up. was, but I don't. Nominees for directing. Uh, another round, Thomas Vinterberg, which is funny because I don't think that's gotten nominated for anything else, but no. it has been nominated for Best Directing. Mank by David Fincher. Minari by Leah Zek Chung. Nomadland uh, by Chloe Zhao. And Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, there's two women in the Best... Uh, best di- best direction list there. I think yeah, that's also I, another first. I just read two of them out. No, I think that's also <laughs> another first. There being two women nominated for that for that award. Mm. I had that hit written here somewhere. Um, well, it's true. I don't remember. I, I had an article with a whole bunch yeah. of like firsts yep. in it, and I've lost it. But right. I think that was something to do with uh, so many women being nominated for best director as a first. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's. I guess it's good. That's that's yeah. good. Hopefully, it, it stops being such of a <laughs> such a. I was listening to an interview with Olivia Wilde and Emerald Fennell. Um, Olivia Wilde was talking about Booksmart and uh, Emerald was talking about um, Promising Young Woman and, and Olivia yeah. Wilde just kind of at one point subtly sort of said, I hope that it stops being female director and just starts being like we're all directors. So, yeah. Um, a little bit that, but yeah, that is good. All right. And on to Best Picture. So we got a bunch more. <laughs> Dude, I literally forgot we hadn't done Best Picture. <laughs> I was like, sweet, we're done. Um, yeah, there's also like, okay. So just let me check that there's no other ones because they did this. So here must be where I checked out, right? Unless they posted them a bunch of times. Oh, they posted them a bunch of times. That's why there's so fucking many of them. All right, cool. So best picture. Uh, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, uh, Sound of Metal, and 
unfortunately, Trial of the Chicago 7. I so, love that you preface it with unfortunately I, every time. Our boy doesn't like Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a bunch here that are well-deserving. Um, all of them except Trial of the Chicago 7, actually. But yeah, I haven't... <coughs> the only ones out of these that I've seen is Promising a Woman and Nomadland. Mm. I really want... So, I've seen Minari and Judas of the Black Messiah. Uh, Have you got a pick out of those? I probably enjoyed promising young woman the most i feel like in the like considering last year judas and the black messiah is very poignant as a topic um it might be like an a kind of outfielder like father or or mank um yeah they might go with fucking trial of the chicago seven i think a lot of people would be happy for sound of metal to win um but yeah I'd, i'd really love for promising young woman to be it um yeah it was it was one of the one of the films I've enjoyed the most this year, I think. Yeah. So, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really have a strong sense of which one it'll be. No, and me neither. I'm just trying to, trying to like... Have you... Is, is A Promising Young Woman the only one you've seen yeah. in that list? Yeah, so I can't really yeah, <laughs> comment it, too it's much. It's been a weird year for films. Oh, like last year was, was obviously yeah. quite a weird year. Because, but all, because like everyone gets a vote, right? And so you can vote no matter whether you've seen the movie or not. And so there are probably like thousands and thousands of people in the Academy that haven't seen half these films either that are yeah, going to vote for whatever the one they think should be the one that they should vote for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's why Green Book won, even though that movie sucks. Oh, Green Book won because it's baiting Hollywood liberals, man. That's what I mean. It's it won because of the subject matter. It won because of the subject matter, mm. not because of the movie. Well, Judas and the Black Messiah is an unapologetically black revolutionary film. Right, it's so not, that's not going like, to Well, you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Like, um, It's too bad. But it's also historical. Mm. Um, it's it's one of the films that looks at that historical context and, and does the least amount of like, well, both sides. There were good people yeah. on both sides that I've ever seen. It's just like, no, the fucking FBI was really terrible and I they f- just killed this guy. I feel like Best, so, p- best yeah. Picture is after like a very vanilla pick. Yeah, so it, it might go... I don't know how contentious the father is, but it might go to that. Could go to Nomadland. Nah, God, I, I hope it doesn't. So. It would be Land. insane if Nomadland. Nomadland. <laughs> Nomadland was so boring. Yeah, I it mean, was so boring. It's definitely like form breaking, but um, it was two hours of a documentary about people who live in caravans. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that's those are the nominations. Well, I guess we'll go into more detail. Maybe, uh, maybe we've we've got time where we should make some predictions next week, just for the fun of it, and we can see if we were right or wrong. I'm um, going to double down on my Hollywood loves Hollywood and uh, you say that Mank, Mank will win. Yep. All right. I reckon it'll be Trial of the Chicago 7 because nothing good ever happens. <laughs> so um, let's move on to this week's feature, I guess, which is Sweet. Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. Whisper something in your Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? Please lie down. What are you doing? It's okay, hey, you're safe. What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. I thought we had a connection. Okay. 
How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. Cassandra, <laughs> we're in class together at Forest. You would have been a great doctor. What happened? I left under unusual circumstances. You remember what happened, right? Why I dropped out. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. We get accusations like this all the time. Who needs brains? They never did a girl any good. I'm so sorry I didn't go with her. You gotta let it go. It's directed by uh, Emerald Fennell, and I think she also wrote it as well, right? She did, I believe. And it's also a uh, directorial debut. And I guess I'll just mention this up top. She gave birth three weeks after they wrapped. Yeah, so I was. I, I no. am three weeks. I was after watching they an interview with her at the end uh, on the way here, the Savo, and she was saying that, like, uh, yeah, she gave birth three weeks after they wrapped, but they still had to edit it. And she was like, yeah, so we just. Uh, Move, they just move the editing to the end of my street, and then we just continued on from there. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh so God. insane. Uh, yeah, w- what a. <laughs> I want to say superhuman, but like lots of women do that kind of shit. Um, so just well done to her. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Fucking incredible. Um, anyway, yeah. Imagine being like fucking three weeks before having to give birth and like being on a film set. It's yeah. it, uh, it, doing those yeah. like fifteen-hour days or whatever the fuck. I can't even imagine just being pregnant, <laughs> let, alone, <laughs> let alone doing something that intensive uh, for the vast majority of your entire pregnancy. Yeah. Really crazy. Also, anyway. doesn't she play Camilla? Camilla? In yeah, the Crown. She plays yeah. Camilla Parker Bowles in the season three and four of The Crown, I think. Yeah. yeah. Neat. So I yeah. don't know when they were filming that, but there might have been some overlap. Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay, so... It's just um, one, of the, one, of those, one of those seasons where, like, Camilla is holding an enormous handbag <laughs> in every shot. <laughs> yeah, Strategically yeah, yeah. behind a yeah, bowl yeah, exactly. of apples. I think yep. there's an episode of How I Met... There's, there's a season of How I Met Your Mother where Alison Hannigan is, is ah. very pregnant for most of it. And she said, like, yeah, I'm just always standing behind a behind couch. Behind the couch, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sitting down. Yeah. Um, right, so... Should we get into it? Yeah, the, the, the letterbox summary for this is... I'm assuming we will already have played the trailer music and shit. The letterbox summary for this is uh, Payback never looked so promising. A young woman woman. haunted by... (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Keep going. Oh, because it's a word in the title. (laughs) Really (laughs) worth ruining your mate's flow for. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, that was it. Okay, a young woman. Do you yeah. want to fucking yell about that no, one cause, too? Because the, the end of the, the end of last word in the previous sentence was promising. Yeah. And then I said young woman, but the f- pretty much the first two words in the next sentence were young woman. Two as well. of the first so, yeah. three, in fact. Yeah. yeah. A young woman, good, haunted by tragedy in her past, takes <laughs> revenge on the predatory men unlucky enough to cross her path. Yes. It has a rating of three point eight out of five, which I think is really fucking low. <laughs> anyway, so we discussed off air the idea that maybe like this is a movie that uh, we're not going to spoil until we give you a proper spoiler warning. But there's stuff you find out within the first sort of twenty minutes to half an hour of this movie that I think is fun and makes the movie more enjoyable if you didn't know it. So yeah. I think like if you wanted to see this movie, I think it's one of those ones where you're going to have the best time if you know as little about it as possible, and maybe just go see it and come back and listen to the rest of this. Please listen to the rest of it mm. after, you've, <laughs> after you've seen the movie. Um, if you're still here, then we're not going to spoil anything properly, and we're not going to spoil the final act until we properly tell you to. Fuck There's off. a few little like slights of hand in the in the first, like yeah, as you said, 20 minutes or half an hour of the film. So we'll talk yeah. about that, but then there's a few things later on which we definitely won't cover until we let you know. Yeah, cool, great. So with 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 that out of the way, mm. um, I'll throw it to Taryn. What did you think of this film? Ooh. 
I liked it a lot. Yeah. It was good. very confronting. Yes. I watched it last night and that's a weird vibe for a Monday <laughs> night. That's right. Yeah. It's a weird thing to watch. Yep. Um, Were there many other people in the cinema with you? Yeah. It was just no, it was me and a girlfriend of mine and then like six other people. Yeah, right. Because it's, I think, at the end of its run, and it was at quite late at yeah. night. I think but then, so like, like weird vibe to like walk back walk, to our car is uh, it? Yeah, oh, yeah eleven thirty at night. Definitely. Oh, yeah. it was like a late, like a nine p.m. session. Yeah, yeah. that's all yeah, they have cool. anymore because I think it's almost <laughs> yeah. out of session. Yeah, it must be. Actually, that's a good point. I'll, I'll I'll try and get the set edited quickly, but go see it asap. Otherwise, no, you might gone. have to catch it on demand. Yeah. Um, I, I I should have chucked this in earlier, but yeah, um, this movie deals explicitly with sexual assault mm. and so if that's something that you might struggle with or might be confronting to you maybe give this ep or even the film a miss basically just take care of yourself so yeah, yeah. uh probably good to to do that before we start really getting into any discussion but yes. yeah i i really loved it too um as you say it was really confronting um <laughs> i feel like so obviously like um, a man watching this is going to have quite a different perspective to a woman watching this. My experience, uh, I feel like, was set up in the very first like couple of shots, which is where you've got... So the film opens <laughs> on these like crotch shots of oh, businessmen dancing in khaki oh, pants. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Along to... What's this? Do you remember the song oh. that plays? It's some fucking horrible... It's It's... I would describe it in one word as it's embarrassing to be a man and be looking at that because yeah. you know that there's probably times when you may have looked like that and it's just a really... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It's a remix of um, uh, Boys, right? Oh, by, yeah, um, by Charlie XCX. Charlie XCX. Uh, and it's <laughs> absolutely mortifying to be like, oh, Christ, I man of fucking embarrassing <laughs> and it sort of cuts to this wide shot where it's all slow motion and so it does it's not that bad and then it cuts this wide and it's in real time and there's mm. not much set dressing about it so it's just these men being fucking awkward in this club um and then immediately sort of swaps to this uh establishing shot of carrie mulligan nearly passed out on this huge red velvet couch it's one of the one of my favorite shots that I've ever seen in recent cinema. Um, like drunk out nearly, of the skull. Nearly passed out or drugged or something. Um, sort of head lolling about. And it, there's this something with the sound where there's maybe like a bass drop at that point in time or the music changes. And it's simultaneously one of the most like, um, I think it depends. It's almost like a litmus test of like, she either looks like prey but I knew sort of the setup for the film and I was like, oh, that's terrifying. Oh, I didn't you know, know I mean? anything about it. Right. So, I, yeah, I, I sort of knew the vague setup, but I, I loved how it established that and then her character. Yeah. And you know that it's, if you know what the premise is, it's a big kind of bait and switch, which is yeah. really interesting. Mm. Yeah. And I saw somebody comment that she looks... It's almost like that couch that she's on is like a cross and her arms are like right. held out yeah. on her yes. sides. She's like, almost, yeah, in crucified. Yeah. yeah. Really, really cool. Oscar, what did you think? Yeah, I, I didn't, I liked it, but I think that the middle chunk of the movie, I found myself sitting in the cinema like actively bored for a good half an hour. That baffles um, me, but yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, can't, I don't I, get I, that, I, but I, okay. I saw, it, like, I saw the movie like three weeks ago now, so I, I'm, I'm annoyed that I can't, like go back and like point fingers at bits, right? But like, I loved the opening, and I loved the la the final act. 
But there was like a good 20 minute chunk in the middle where I just thought like, oh my God, just like get, get a move on. I, I felt like there was a few a few scenes that could have been cut. And again, I I'm annoyed that I can't like point a finger at them. But Did you feel like, because uh, we, we were talking a little bit about this off air. I feel like you, one of the examples that you brought up was like um, a few different times when she goes home with people. Maybe that was one of them. Just the, so, so the... the the premise is that she, I mean, anyone here doesn't care about the fact that we're going to ruin what you find out in the first twenty minutes. So here yeah. we are. This is I not. not this I, is, I think it's come with two strong recommendations that yeah. you should go yeah. watch. To the lightest so. of spoilers, but yeah. the, the, the premise behind the movie is that um, uh, she has sort of taken it upon herself to take revenge on the men of the world by going home what? with them from clubs and pretending to be very drunk, and then. When they start to take advantage of her, so she's done this hundreds of times. When they start to take advantage of her, she immediately stops pretending to be drunk, and so like in the man's eyes, become like sobers up instantly, and then is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I said, "No, you're trying to, you're trying to assault me. What are you doing?" And like yeah. freaks the guy out, and so it's her. She sort of she sort of lets them, lets them very passively. Si- sort of not really at all seek consent, so they'll be like, "Do you yeah. want to? Do you want to go back to my place instead?" And she'll never say yes. She never uh, right. S- never consents to anything. It, yeah. She'll say nothing, or she'll say, "I need to go to bed," or "I need to go home." I want to go they home. Say, yeah. No, no, it's okay. I'll just yeah. take you back here. It'll exactly. be fine. We'll sit yeah. down. Exactly. Yeah. And, so, I, and I, yeah. I suppose the point of those scenes is to show that, like, even guys who think they're nice guys, and even guys who think that they're not. Uh, think that they're not rapists are still putting this woman in a very uncomfortable situation that she does not want to be in. Well, it is sexual assault. Yeah, because absolutely. They're, yeah, absolutely. They're not any and so I feel like the point is that she is like shaming these guys to their face and like hmm. pointing out that they are in the wrong. And I, I just feel like there was like two or three of those scenes and I could have dealt with one or two. See, I liked the nuance of the different ones. I like that too. Yeah. You get the full palette of. Um, They're all the specific varieties of nice guy douchebags. Yeah, yeah. And there's I one that prattles on about his screenplay. <laughs> yeah, his M- novel. from Superbad. Oh my it's god, it's fucking crazy. I actually wanted to talk about the casting of all of the nice guys yeah. because it's so cleverly cast mm. that it's it's heaps of TV actors um, or like character actors from other films that are well known. The best example I can think of is McLovin. Um, and they're all well known for playing nice guy, funny, funny characters in other stuff, right? Mm. And so you, you see you them, and it's have a shorthand for it, yeah. right? Positive I, association with them. I think I didn't know like half of them, but I think the guy that plays Al Monroe is quite famous in the US for being on some show like Girls or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, there's I, a fourth guy as well. But McLovin's a good there's example. There's um, yeah. somebody from the OC. That's yeah, that's it. That's yeah, right. the first that's guy. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I wasn't familiar with a couple of them as well. I was familiar with a few of the guys at the um, bachelor, bachelor party, party. <laughs> especially uh, Schmidt from mm-hmm. New Girl, yeah, who has been perfectly typecast for the record. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about him later. Yeah. But. No, the casting is really great. And the thing about shorthand is a really good point because I suppose it does force you to assess assess how you how you like immediately evaluate what this guy is going to be before you even have like had a chance to judge him on his actions mm. you're like oh he's harmless i know yeah, him he's right. just a bumbling goofball yeah right. exactly um, and i think the important thing about the idea that someone and like this is not a so this is kind of playing on like the uh, I, I really hate referring to these films this way but the rape revenge genre is like a well-established sort of subgenre of i guess thriller horror type films um, and this is intentionally 
very much subverting a whole lot of the tropes from that large already pre-existing film base. And one of the main tropes, here's the spoiler from sort of the first 20 minutes or so, um, is that she takes these men home and snaps out of her sort of stupor to um, reveal to them that she's completely sober and is aware of it and has, and then confronts them about how they've actively not or ignored her um, wishes in, in a bunch of different ways or like not sought consent in any kind of affirmative way and that yeah. they're still proceeding anyway. But then she sort of, it's, it's really strongly implied that she sort of just leaves at that point and, and is, is done. Well, it she always cuts to the next morning and she's doing this tally in the book. And right. And you're not sure whether, like the first 20 minutes, you're like, is she, is she well, killing these is she dudes? Killing these guys? Because the, I think the shot after the, she goes home with the first guy is you kind of pan up from her feet and you see like red she's stains. blood stripping, yeah. Down her like outfit and then it pans up and you see she's holding like a hot dog a with a bunch donut. of fucking ketchup. Was <laughs> it, it a donut or yeah, a hot a, dog? It's a, it's, jam a, donut. it's a hot dog. Oh, what? Okay, there you go. I thought it was a donut too. I, heard, I don't yeah. know. It, I think it was a hot. I think it was a hot dog because I heard Emerald on a on a uh, on like an interview dog. talking about how she thought it was funny that it was this like phallic thing. Oh, okay, oh. right, that makes sense. <laughs> that okay, makes sense. there you go. Um, which is accompanied by a fantastic catcalling mm. scene where these three guys, like these three guys, are, are like, uh, "Give us a smile, whatever." And instead of anything That's that like you would expect happening, yeah. right? She just stares at them, and they just go from like continuing to jeer and double down to like being like. Fuck you then. Can't take a joke or whatever. And, like, and then they sort of just get awkward <laughs> and leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and like good. get well, really yeah, creeped out. What I liked about it is that it, it speaks a lot of truth of like how quickly guys who are hitting on you can turn on a dime. Oh, where, yeah. yeah. Like sure. especially in like not necessarily like catcalling, but like if you're at a club or you're at a bar mm. or something that says, Hey, they're trying to pick you up and then you say no and they're like, All right, well, I didn't even like you anyway. You're ugly. Like Right. And that happens a bunch it, of different times. How it hinges like it clearly means that either they're so offended at, you know, not being mm. desired that they're like lash out or how in the case of catcalling in a group of men, it's never about you really. No, no totally not. It's about them it's, showing off to one another. It's their own right. dumb dude in And when it fails well. to get the desired effect, it sort of yeah. immediately rings so hollow that yeah. they have to just make this exit. Yeah. Um, and I like that that kind of mirrors. So the way that, I mean, there's lots of, she gets lots of different reactions from men in this film um, for various different reasons, but often follows that pattern of immediately backpedaling or justifying or even accusing um, I, the M- McLovin, the guy that is like insufferably doing coke and talking about his book kind of <laughs> does that because I think that's the most protracted scene we get of her confronting. Yeah. Um, and it sort of just keeps going through where he keeps making excuses and she keeps calling him out on it very clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think th- what I was going to say is what's really interesting and I think separates this film out, I haven't really watched any uh, any other rape revenge fantasies, but uh, oh, fantasies, um, films, but I think that the thing that this does differently is that you still get to see the effects of it after, because she's not, as it turns out, killing them, you do get yeah. those protracted scenes of justification and, and, and interaction after the fact. and And so you do get to see this like, almost like a discussion it's not really a discussion but the effect of these people who would clearly if this had gone through the way that they expected to probably are at least implicitly aware that they're doing something wrong because you can feel it yeah but that never are confronted with their actions until it's way too late and they're already able to justify it or it's already forgotten or it's already too milky to kind of really clearly say you 
obviously did the wrong thing here. Mm. Um, and even towards the end of uh, the a particular bit of the story, um, it becomes very clear that given the chance, those people don't learn from mm. even their mistakes or even their, their direct actions. They, d- they choose actively not to learn a lesson from that. And so I yeah. think it's really interesting that she's doing that and that this is the way that the story is constructed because it, it forces these people, not only does it give them a chance to learn in kind of almost a constructive way, which is in itself like a bit of a bend on the genre, but it forces people to be confronted with their actions and it doesn't give them enough time to figure out a story that justifies their behavior, which I think is a really fascinating kind of twist on on the genre that um, manages to like almost de-escalate the situation in a way where it's reasonable to not talk about, but I, I guess it's constructive. It feels constructive in a way, even though it's still self-destructive behavior on Carrie Mulligan's character's part. Although yeah. I kind of read it as like she became very intimidating, like yeah, especially with that the McLovin character. Yeah, it goes from him Brutal, very but much. It's been like fifteen years since Superbad, by the way. <laughs> I haven't even seen Superbad. Uh, that's who he is. Who he like, yeah, exactly. Sorry, buddy. You look very fucking weird. Yeah. Sorry, that's who you are. <laughs> sorry that you was you were saying in that scene specifically. Christopher Mintz um, class is it goes from like her being very passive and you know essentially just like lying out semi passed out on a couch mm. yeah. to like. Like she is the one; she backs him into a corner. Like yeah, she's she becomes on the, the the threatening one. Mm. Whereas before, it was like the reverse. So I didn't read it as so much as like a like let's have a fun discussion, no. but as like no, she's like actively trying to intimidate yeah. them out of doing it again. Right, that's a good way to put and it. I, and I also yeah. think the fact that it goes through sort of three, four, maybe five different dudes that it shows that little quick one night stand type yeah. scene with, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, most of those guys don't recur again. You see them for like a little five-minute scene and that's yeah, it. That's it yeah. I feel like there isn't much scope for them to be learning. It's just like she's – in my head, it's like she's freaked them out and that's it. And maybe that's what got a bit tired for me is that by the third one, um, mm. it was like, well, I'm not really seeing any resolution to this. I'm just watching her go and freak a guy out and then leave. And it's happened like no. the third time. But, but I you're, you're missing the catharsis, catharsis it, right? yes. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's the third guy where she – he's a friend of the first guy. So when when he figures out what's going on, mm. it's it's when she gets confronted by another character that she knows. He's like, "Hey, you're that girl that freaked out my friend," and, oh, that's right, and realizes yeah. like who she is, and so yeah. she kind of drops the act and doesn't do the whole shebang, but is is trying to impress upon him like I'm not the only one who's doing this. Like there's right. other women out here, and and what that was the first time it sunk in for me that what she's doing is trying to create a similar thing to what women feel when we are like, if you're trying to, to date or be out at a bar or meet somebody, you equally know that you could meet someone really lovely or they could do something totally horrible to you. And you're right. trying to yeah. like have a relationship with that person. And it's a very inherently scary thing to do to be like, yeah. Oh, the person that I end up dating could also highly likely do something very horrible to me. Mm. And so what she's trying to do is create an environment in which the guys feel that when they're going out. Cause he, he runs off at the end. It's like, why do you guys have to ruin everything? And it's like, man, that's how we feel. Like, right, right, right. You know how annoying it is to be like, oh cool. So this guy's cute, but also he could be a secret predator and you don't know cause he looks normal. Uh, right. Yeah, I really literally hadn't thought of that. I, I also hadn't <laughs> thought of the idea of- Well, uh, that's I, why I, you had me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, damn. Uh, I've heard, um, friends talk about uh that like it's not an uncommon thing to 
check with people you know if anyone knows this person that you're starting to to be like you know you'll um send a tinder profile around and be like anyone know anyone know this guy anyone friends with this person whatever um and i feel like it is doing that kind of same like group check-in of like hey any anyone any red flags here or like anyone know anything about this yeah um which is what the men have been doing by saying like hey watch out for this this mm. woman that's going around and like <laughs> pretending to be vulnerable <laughs> Um, yeah, watch out for her. Right. Yeah, you got to be careful who yeah. you're um, trying to take advantage of. Yeah, yeah it's. it's I, I really love that scene for mm. like multiple reasons because it's a very hard <laughs> scene to watch. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Maybe, maybe I have to go back and watch it again with a bit more context because I, I feel like maybe I was in a funny mood when I was watching it. But overall, um, I liked because we didn't mention that it's it's like a black comedy. Mm. We're mm. talking a lot about how confronting it is to watch and how perhaps cathartic some of these dramatic scenes are but it, it is it is presenting it through the lens of like a black comedy and at some points like i've heard it described as being very similar in tone to like an early noughties like rom-com kind of film quite yeah. deliberately in tone in the middle bit there where um ah. burnham's character comes in and it's deliberately uh doing a bit of like a rose colored glasses kind of kind of segment in the film um and i think that those bits are done very well and I think totally. Oh yeah, when they're singing in the pharmacy. Yeah. That was the cutest fucking thing. I was. Oh god. And when that scene was happening, I was like, "This is too much. Something is no, about I to go horribly it. wrong. Oh. We're about to snap out of this shit. Yeah. Something is awfully it's like, amiss it's like because it, it was just so perfect. It was, I was perfect. Like, yeah. This is not what this sweet scene. And yeah. what chemistry also? Can we yeah. just? Say? Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually, I want to talk about um, Bo Burnham's character, and, and but first. Carrie Mulligan and her performance. I think what we've been praising so far, by the way, is is um, like it's Emerald Fennell's directing and her writing yeah. to yeah. construct everything that we've just been talking about. I think is fucking genius. Mm. I think it's really hard to create something like this. I think she's done an incredible job. Um, I'm. It's one of those filmmakers where I'm very keen to see what, where she goes to next. Yeah. Um, but also, like, man, you got your work fucking cut out for yeah. you because um, this was clearly something that had been boiling for probably nearly her entire life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but Carrie Mulligan, so she's nominated for Best Actress, um, which I think is extremely well-deserved. I think she is amazing in this performance. I forget that she's British, by the way. <gasps> I saw yeah. an interview with her and I was like, yeah, what's what happening? The fuck? Yeah, it's really crazy. <laughs> I think she brings like I'm keen to hear what you guys think she brings to the character because this could have been played in a really different way. Um, well, I heard I, I heard initially her copying flack from some journalist who this is the, the, variety the variety writer was that the yeah. guy where she she responded like what you don't think I'm hot enough to he play was this like role or mm, it's funny that Margot Robbie produced this because it's much more believable that men would seek her out <laughs> than yeah Harry Mulligan was, and he, I think he compared her like makeup looks to like bad drag he did yeah it was yeah. just I and went like, back and read it and, was and like, her what? hair looks like Man. shit it was very strange to yeah. yeah and then Carrie Mulligan ended up kind of like calling him out on it very reasonably so and Variety issued an apology so yeah um, which was anyway yeah I think I think in, in terms of like what she brings to the character though um, no I don't know what do, you, what do you think Taryn in terms of her performance like I, I think she, she does the accent very well but I feel oh, like yeah. I haven't seen her in enough other films to like maybe appreciate well I didn't know she was British yeah. so that was yeah. huge yeah. Uh, I think 
I've seen her in. She was also in The Great Gatsby, right? Yeah. Oh, I have. I love her in that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. Such a different. She looks completely different. different, Very demure in that film as well. Well, I think she brings a really interesting. She like so. Okay, the tone of this film, especially thinking about the the production design, so the the color and the way everything is laid out, especially like the coffee shop and her parents' house. It's very like saccharine and saturated and such bright colors all the time. Her nails are often in a rainbow, like, Mm -hmm. um, or like pastels, that kind of thing. And I feel like her character could very easily follow that same type of like really bubbly, like, I I don't know why I'm chucking these words in there, but like the soundtrack to this film is like, it's a lot of like, yeah, Charlie XCX, it's Britney. It's like, um, that kind of like extreme stereotypically overtly colorful feminine. female feminine type mm. thing and I feel like Carrie does that aesthetically very well but then her delivery is quite like she's got like this real um, somber kind of energy where it becomes it, it, it really leans well into this dry humor mm. because she's very uh, understated and she acts very pared back a lot of the time for me her character is like um it's uh like standoffishness and um underneath that is like a a general underlying rage and i think i read this somewhere and like underneath that there's this um deep sadness or like trauma base based mm. on Nina, her, her friend and, and the loss that she experiences for that. And I really think you feel those roles at times. Like you can watch one layer being like peeled away and mm. it's just straight. The, yeah. the other layer is just born completely there. And I think she does a really great job of kind of performing almost all the time with those layers of subtext visible. And it comes across in like this really fantastically black comedic way where she matches up with Bo Burnham and there's that chemistry that's really great. The two of them sort of play off each other really well. Yeah. Like, I like the scene where she spits in his coffee. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> the idea that you would actually do that is crazy. And then sort of it's a, an endearing character moment where Bo Burnham, like, drinks the spit. <laughs> Asks her out. And then she's like, dude, I just spat in your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny also because it does... Uh, in my opinion, also set up this kind of like complex dynamic between the two of them where he is exhibiting some of the behavior that the other men in the film are also exhibiting. He is being overly persistent. She tells him no. He's charming and charismatic and she clearly likes him. And so she sort of tolerates it. But uh, what I'm intrigued about, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this as well, is that he kind of occupies this like Schrodinger's role in the film where... um, so, like, s- mild spoilers with no details. Something bad happens later on with his character. And if you haven't seen the film, it's probably not what you're thinking. But um, he exhibits these problematic behaviors early on. But because she is, he, he's kind of less insufferable than the rest of the, the people in the film. And she clearly has, like an attachment to him and so she tolerates him. And she's him. already got a bit of a personal connection with him which I exactly. suppose is an examination of how you can miss that judgment of people that you know personally a bit. Yeah, and so it's kind of, he kind of occupies this dual role where it's 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 fine if it's just faux pas or like mistakes or like, mm. you know, it's just part of your, you know, like part of your social conditioning that, yeah, you, you, you're fucking up right now but it's okay. You're being nice about it and I'm sure you're not meaning to. Versus when, you know, one of the other men in the film behaves as they do and it's like those are all warning signs that they were going to keep going and, and ignore, mm. 
you know, like enthusiastic consent and, and all that kind of thing. So Although I thought it was really interesting. What he does differently early on is he does something similar where he leads her back to his apartment. Yeah like other guys have done in scenes previously. But when she's kind of hesitant, he immediately is like, okay, no, I fucked up. Right. We don't have to do that. Right. Let's right. not. And like very clearly, like he suggests it in the beginning by leading her there. Yeah. But when she freaks out, he's like, nope, got it. Cool. Right. We're going to go slow. Right. Whatever you right. want. And so gives you that, exactly that. Schrodinger's almost like, yeah. is he or isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Which is really tough and obviously like makes the rest of it. <laughs> impact a lot mm. harder um yeah so okay I, I just wanted to acknowledge like in my opinion the strength of carrie mulligan's performance because i feel like this movie is inextricably linked with the the men in the film and it's easy to sort of talk about um carrie's interactions with men without acknowledging the strength of her performance like on its own but um it's an incredible performance i didn't really get a single false note um, from this whole thing, I think the fact that she's doing it in accent the whole time is is pretty incredible as well. <laughs> um, but I liked Bo Burnham's character and I liked their relationship and I do want to talk about that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, he's sort of like... he He's sp- brought in almost as like the comedic relief, but she's funny as well. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Well, I think yeah. that's part of part of like picking like nice guys that are well known for doing comedy is getting Bo I think Bo Burnham's a good pick for the role yeah I kind of thought with Carrie Mulligan's character though um, I initially upon watching it I thought that maybe her character felt a bit like I, I felt that Carrie, Carrie Mulligan felt a bit old for the role that she's playing right but I sort of realized later that maybe that's intentional in that she's this character that has kind of found herself stagnating a bit since dropping out of college and that she is like forever stuck. Uh, f- she's stuck in this like in her like mid twenties persona because she's yeah. st- still hasn't come to terms with uh, what happened to her friend, uh, and so she sort of finds herself like repeating the same year. Like in, in she, she finds herself like s- behaving the same and dressing the same kind of as the year that she was with Nina. In a way, well, I think it's kind of it's driving her insane that everyone else is moving on, and yeah. that she just feels this like, how the fuck? I think that's why it's really important that no one can remember Nina's name until the lawyer, mm. and um, it, yeah, and it's this idea that like no one, everyone else is just like, yeah, there's kind of nothing we can do about it, and also I don't know, there's a lot of people <laughs> that fit the description that you're giving me. So how am I supposed to remember each one? And she's like, well, how can I forget this one? Yeah. How could I possibly forget my best friend Nina? And the, the speech that she gives at one point where she's like, um, she was this amazing person that I love being around and I just was proud and grateful to be able to even, that she even wanted to spend time around me. And then after this thing happened, it was like that was that was gone and never able to be reclaimed. So the idea that no one even remembers that thing that was so dear to her, I think is the reason why she is kind of, yeah, locked with an inability to feel like she can move on and a confusion about why other people would ever be able to. What are you going to do? Why do you guys have to ruin everything? We were kids. If I hear that one more time, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. 
lately I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. No, I, I agree. I think Carrie Mulligan was. I think I think she was good in it, but it's it's one of those performances where you sort of almost forget that she's acting. Totally, in a way where you yeah. have to watch it and yeah. be like, "Oh, I suppose that was good." Yeah, I suppose she wasn't Cassie. Right. In a way where you're like, "Oh, fuck!" And I feel like it's it's often good when you see an actor that's very good in lots of different roles. Yeah. Because you can really get a lot of context for like uh, for how much range they have. Right. right. If, you, if you haven't seen an actor as much. It's hard to like remind yourself of that. What did you think about the relationship between... I, I sort of felt when she met Bo, Burnham's character, who was like an old... Someone that was in her class from before she dropped out of college. Med school. Uh, med school. She used to be in med school. And she dropped out to take care of her friend, Nina. Um, we, is, that, is, it not, is it a spoiler to say what happened to Nina? Uh, okay, well, look, we'll, we'll probably... I think we're going to reach a point now. If, mm-hmm. if you're not convinced to see it already, you might not, but, like, you should. Um, we're just going to spoil the rest of it now, I think. So so it's free reign, right? Sure, just, okay, great. So this is a spoiler warning. Great, yeah. cool. Spoiler warning um, completely for the whole movie. So uh, Carrie Mulligan and her friend Nina were good friends and were, like, ex- top of their class in med school. Nina was sexually assaulted at a party and soon after that, dropped out and Carrie Mulligan's character dropped out to take care of her. Mm. And I think it's not explicitly stated in the movie, but I think it's heavily suggested that Nina might have killed herself, but she's definitely dead. Yeah, it's never 100% confirmed, I think. Yeah, but she is, yes, something happened, yeah. Some tragic set of circumstances that resulted in her death. And so Carrie Mulligan's character... I feel like feels partially responsible for not being able to intervene in the moment uh, where Nina was assaulted. And so a lot of her nightly outings to go and shame men, I feel like is partly like a cathartic self. I don't know. I can't think of it. She's like kind of like punishing herself in a way. I think mm-hmm. part of it is why I'm it's reading it. Yeah. She's trying to atone. I think. That's what the word yeah. yeah. She's like trying to atone for the fact that she wasn't able to help her friend when she felt like she should have, even if it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was trying to dodge around that, so we've got that spoiler kind of thing out of the way. Um, I kind of felt like the first half an hour of the movie, every single time she had an interaction with a man, it was just awful. And I feel like when Bo Burnham's character came around, the way the movie's constructed, it kind of felt like this breath of fresh air. Mm. And you were like, oh my God, finally, like a decent dude. But did, did you get that or am I just not. Well,. I also really like Bo Burnham as a person yeah, yeah. and a comedian. So yeah. I was just thrilled to see him on screen. Yeah. Um, and I knew that he played a more significant role. But yeah. yeah, I think the difference is that he is immediately like self-deprecating in a way that a lot of the guys hadn't before. Like, yeah. you know, when he asks her, you know, what are you doing working here at this crappy coffee shop and then immediately is like oh no i shouldn't right. have asked that because right. that's a root and then like me like realizes the mistake and just yeah. owns it and then drinks the spit in his coffee <laughs> yeah and like does all of this and then is like do you want to go out with me like yeah. which right. is a very self-deprecating different way that we've been seeing men in the film thus far it's so funny that he's supposed to this is an exaggeration but he's almost supposed to be this like in any other film, he would be like the knight in shining armor kind of character. But in this, he's still like a bit of an idiot and still a bit shit. 
<laughs> and so it's like every other dude in the film is like a one and he's like a four. Well, his like his, I feel like <laughs> no, his dorky charm is very disarming and it kind of yeah, goes a long I way. So. It's, it's like in order to be that level of unsure of yourself, you kind of have to be at least a fair bit self-aware. Yeah. So he's trying to be, uh, he's like clearly introspecting a little more than any of the other men yeah. in the film and, and it's making him more kind of conscientious, I guess. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you were saying, like he still like insults her, <laughs> insults her job and he still does that thing where he swings her past his place and then it's like, ah, oh, fuck. It's a, like, I kind of, I kind of like that he's still a, still a dumb dude that still makes these. Well, he is a, like, know. does play like a pediatrician. Like, yeah. he's not mm. dumb. You know what I mean? They're like, Dorky. All dudes are dumb. He's a big dork. <laughs> yeah. You're making a lot of sweeping generalizations about your gender, yeah. I'd like to add. Oh, I know what I'm playing with. Here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I personally felt uh, terrified every second that they interacted at first because I felt like um, she, and, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, or whether or not I was just like thinking too much about what the story was trying to achieve and not like the actual moments but things yeah. like when he actually did drink the spit i was like she's gonna fucking flip out because that is such a clear indication that you need to fuck off that she's just gonna be like i can't believe you just spat on my coffee and you think that it was a good idea to drink it you're such a freak get out of here you know like what more clear indication could i have given you that i want you to leave than spitting in your coffee well, I think because he he suggests it. Uh, yeah, I know, but jokingly, I, and I thought right. Like, but I guess then you'll she have to spit it, in my coffee and now. So and I was she like, does. she properly wants him to yeah. go. Otherwise, why would you spit in someone's coffee? And he sort of hangs around. And so I thought every moment until like after she's okay with seeing him again after he tries to take her by his apartment. I was every single moment. I was like, here's what's going to happen with this character is he's going to be nice. And then he's going to turn out to be the exact same as the other guys because he's going to mm. push the line. And um, and then in a way that's horrifyingly true, mm. but in a way it, it's nothing like the rest yeah. of them because, um, yeah, he... Uh, I think for me the hardest part about the Bo Burnham character is that he is exactly like all the other men, but not in a way that he does anything wrong while they're in the relationship. It's that it's his reaction that's the most heartbreaking in my opinion, because mm. when he, so there's the, the, there's the video and when she confronts him about it, he does the exact same thing that Christopher Mintz Plaster's character does, the Coke taking book writer, where he immediately becomes defensive. We were kids. It was a party. And then eventually like even becomes like snarky and is like, well, you're a fucking failure. So mm. whatever. She, why finds, give a she finds a video of Nina's assault happening. Yeah. And is very, very, very surprised is to introduced see Bo by Burnham's the character in the background of the video. Right. And Alison Brie. I just wanted to mention Alison Brie because yeah, yeah. I forget that she's in this movie and she does a fucking great job of it. Yeah. Um, and also performs like a key characterizing role for Carrie Mulligan's character. Mm. Because you think that Carrie Mulligan's going to do these horrible things to people in order to try and get revenge. And then it's like, no, of course. <laughs> of course I wouldn't do that shit to you. Yeah. Why would uh, Why would I do that? Um, with Alison Brie and then also the Dean's daughter. Mm. Um, yeah. Both the, both, well, something I did like um, uh, was that both of those put her in like a very moral gray area. Like it sort of really... Like, well, they threatened to. And then I feel like yeah. it's like 
Why would you think that a woman would do that to another person, you know, in this particular case? Well, uh, I, I listened to an interview, I think it was with Carrie Mulligan, where she was saying that, like, um, in, uh, some media is, like, characterising Carrie Mulligan's character as, like, crazy and going to these, like, <laughs> yeah. insane lengths. And yep. she was, like, I feel like the reference she made was, like, reminded me of John Wick, where she said, like, there are so many movies where men go on insane, murderous rampages. Like, yeah. John Wick kills a thousand dudes... Uh, within the style of like a kung fu kind of movie, granted, but like John Wick kills like a thousand dudes because someone killed his dog. Yeah, and like no That's one's like plot John, of Wick's John a fucking Wick. Psycho. Yeah, I haven't basically. seen it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not quite, but essentially, it's yeah. A, yeah um, for the point that I'm making, yes. Yeah, mm. um, and so she's like, "What?" And so because my character follows a kind of dark but very very logical sequence of events. Like, like for example, killing Alison, nobody, killing no one, <laughs> but like Alison Bree's character, like dismisses what happened to Nina by saying Nina got Nina was always getting too drunk. Yeah, she so does the and you know sleeping around. Yeah. And so yeah, exactly. and so what does she think was gonna happen? And so Carrie Mulligan gets her way too drunk and then makes her think that maybe there's a possibility that she might have cheated on her husband and might have been assaulted. And been sexually assaulted, yeah. Yeah. And she says like no of course I didn't do that. But like right, the, the length that she went to yeah. and then like uh, the well, because she the like, dean. The thing that the 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 gray area for me is that Alison Brie's character probably still is quite traumatized by what happened. It's not like oh, yeah. it tells no, yeah, them like what, no, it's fine. I mean. Nothing happened, and Alison Brie's like, whew, Anyway, that's, it's time to forget that's about why all I think of it's this. A massive gray area <laughs> because it clearly fucks Alison's Br- Alison Brie's character. Yeah. I don't think she's, she's like, meant to be, you know, an aspirational no, role, no, 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 role but, model. And that's, and yeah. that's, that's what got me across the line of enjoying the movie overall because I think that. If if it had just been like a victory after victory after victory, where this the, the where Carrie Mulligan's character is this like uh, perfectly virtuous role model character, I feel like that would have made me feel like it was too much. Just like she was the mouthpiece of the writer, just being like, "This is how I wish the world was," in a way that would make me. Make me feel like, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, why are we watching this movie? But I liked the idea that it was a complex, unpredictable, morally grey character that was keeping me invested in the story itself, not just like, I can see where this is going because I agree with the subject matter and the, yeah, the writer is clearly doing Yeah, I think it was curious because obviously, like, for me watching it, a lot of what I'm seeing is, like, not news. Yeah, like I already know about all this and like have to worry about it a lot. Mm. So I wondered how it came off for a male audience because it could feel very, (laughs) it could feel very accusatory. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Uh, accusatory is is an interesting word because I feel like. this film does a really good job of making sure that you can't really be too defensive about if you're if you've got yeah. kind of that fragile masculine perspective. Mm. Have we all like seen that Daniel Sloss X show where he talks about assault? Yes. yes. I think that Daniel Sloss does that very I mean none of the audience have because it's not online so fuck you guys but like <laughs> I think that he does that very well as well uh, trying to address that topic in a way that um but sure, but like to the fact that men are very prone to getting defensive if they're being accused. But it of works because he is the intended audience. He knows yeah. how to speak to the audience because he is yeah. the audience. And this is a film made by and written by a woman, so yeah. I wasn't sure if it would be as effective in that sense. Mm. I think that maybe that's why the first few scenes where it repeats the same thing with like three s- slightly different guys uh, frustrated me a little bit because Christopher Mintz plus his character, I think, is the first one. Oh. 
He's the second one. Chris Evans Plus is the second one. He is so he was. I feel like I got the point that it was making where she was like, even these nice guys that are just these nice guys that are just like um, air quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are just like not taking. You know what I mean? It, it, it seems like he's just like forcing himself on her in a way that doesn't seem as severe. But the movie's like, no, this is this is also still fucked up, and this is also still assault. I feel like I got it at that point. And when it did like another example, I was like, yeah, no, I get it. But the key difference, I mean, like, and I feel like the nuance here and the thing that I latched onto for that scene was that was what Carrie Mulligan said when she said, at least you tried to wake me up. That's the thing you get points for that. You get points for that. And it's like, oh, God, is that the fucking difference? Like, yeah, Jesus Christ. And but it wasn't like I found it frustrating because of that. It was just interesting to see, like, uh, I mean, for me, and I guess maybe it's just less. I've got less sensitivity to the specifics of it, but I was implicitly aware of that, but I didn't really think that <laughs> he was doing anything much better by doing no. that. But I guess like, cause if someone's that drunk, it's just like the yeah. ability to fucking yeah. send us in the bin anyway. So it's, it's never cool, but it's like, Oh Christ, at least like you're being very forgiving. <laughs> like very, well, um, she's being sarcastic, but I yeah. mean, I, yeah, I guess, but in, in a way it's like, I, I, I feel like she meant it a little bit earnestly. Well, because right? if she's done that, you know, it's implied, you know, at least dozens of yeah. times. Not at all, right? Like yeah. that she's able to quantify how often that happens. Exactly. Yeah. She's almost, yeah, she's oh, definitely in an academic like, sense. She's definitely making fun of him, but being like, you get points for that. She's calling him a piece of shit. She's like, what, you think that you think you're a nice guy. You think you're great just because what you thought your responsibility responsibility was is to just make sure that my eyes were open. You're and he does essentially force feed her coke at one point. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, definitely. To make like, sure she stays <laughs> awake. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen it, but I, I feel like in my memory, the first guy comes on very strongly and very forcefully. And in comparison to that, Christopher Mintz Plus's character is supposed to represent a much more passive example of how that same situation can happen and still be just as... Just, uh, just as bad. I think that I think the art is in the nuance. So I get why you yeah, found they're, it they're repetitive, like, but also yeah. I, I enjoyed seeing like... The sickening variations on a theme. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I I enjoyed the first few as well. I mean, and so like when when I thought like oh if this is this whole movie, I'm gonna hate this. And so I enjoyed mm. that it stopped that it, the, the movie sort of developed the idea in a much more nuanced way as the film progressed. Well, and she changes tack, right? Like, yeah. What's yeah, the definitely. inciting incident? Because it starts becoming these like Roman numeral letters in she the middle finds of the out, film. When she finds out that uh, Nina's abuser Al is now like a qualified, very well-respected yeah. doctor and is about to get married to this wonderful That's woman. It. She's like... This wonderful woman, who's the bikini model? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think she feels this like, why the fuck does he get a happily ever after? Which I suppose is the... Um, and, and someone says like, oh, but he was always great and he was always destined to go into great things or i think and they so said like oh that's so like him landing on his feet like implying that he yeah, has really done gross. some fucked up things yeah. but he always yeah. just weasels like his way out of it yeah yeah, it's, yeah. it sucks and I, I, so I feel like it's that's like the the reference to the promising young woman thing is like why why does i i, I think that brock turner case that dude, I think in his court case, you know, that swimmer, there was there was a there was a yeah in the states. A, a case in the states where like, name. what happens in this movie basically happened in real life, and right. the dude's name was Brock Turner. It went viral on the internet, and I think that in his case, 
his lawyer described him as a promising young man, and like, why would we want oh, to destroy yeah, that? Yeah. Well, We're not going to ruin this young man's life oh, just because got, of five minutes. Right, that's and he only that got like ruined somebody months. else's life. Like mm. the yeah. dean when she reacts to Carrie Mulligan's character coming in and saying, "Yeah, oh yeah. my like, god," what do you, which I can get we like talk five about her at all? Yeah, yeah. That well, I feel like she's almost oh. the biggest villain in the film. Well, I think. To me, there is mm, no one actually, villain. No. <laughs> yeah. well, I thought about I, what I said. For what I liked about it was the dean. To uh, me, represented the systemic nature of Absolutely. the protection of predators. Yes. Where she's, yeah. what's horrifying is when she goes in and she's like Nina, and then whatever her last name was, and she's like, "Yeah, I can't remember that." You know, we get reports like that. Like, so many of these. So many, one or two a month, and you're just like, like "That's oh my God. I think it's way more frequent than that. Whatever she said was like uh, nightmarishly frequent. Yeah, yeah. and it's so that she couldn't recall. And she's like, well, you know, we have to protect these boys yeah. because we can't ruin their bo- these boys' lives. Yeah. That was, to me, when they first, when they really started getting at the systemic nature of it and how these the systems in place are set up to protect the accused. Yeah. And how yeah. you really have to, like, be able to lay it on thick. And we get into that later with the lawyer when he starts explaining how, how yeah. it works in court cases. Yeah. But, oof, that was brutal. I know that... Okay, so I was interested to hear that this film was receiving some negative... Kind of negative reviews from people for... Uh, and I was speaking to a friend of mine who's the um, co-writer and co-director of the short film that I just made, Laura. She had some really good insights into this. But she was explaining to me why she had heard some negative responses to this film. One of which was that it doesn't have particularly... Uh, uplifting outcomes for survivors of sexual assault, um, which true. like yeah, think- in a way, but also Carrie Mulligan's character is a bit of a unique case. Is it also um, supposed to not be like a realistic representation of what survivors have to deal with? Well, sure, moment, but though? you know, I, I can I can understand that perspective. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily agree with it, and I feel like the film did a slightly better job of addressing that than that on face value but anyway the second thing was the the quick forgiveness of the lawyer character that was interesting yeah and and i i i my personal view of this was that i i enjoyed like i don't know if i can own the term catharsis for this having never really experienced any of the shit um but like i've had very close women in my life tell me about these sorts of things and i think you do um experience empathy for that and so like that's where i'm drawing catharsis from from this story um i liked that the lawyer was so she didn't even have to push him at all it was he was just like so he knew immediately remorseful i think it's actually kind of nice for once that a character was just so pathetically regretful immediately and that there was no justification there's no um attempt to defend their own actions it's yeah. just like well, he does describe them though yeah but i think more them. less in a defensive way mm. like oh we were just kids and more being like how messed up was it right that I, there was somebody whose job it was to comb through social media and find yeah. drunk pictures of young women because it would make a jury really hostile right and like, we got he a yeah. was talking financial about it bonus in a, for every settlement yeah he was talking about it in a like look at how messed up the system is yeah. not like i don't deserve to be punished for this yeah right and i feel like um in the forgiveness of that character this again my reading of it is that um uh, like carrie mulligan is saying like 
individuals are not the problem. Like they they contribute to the problem, but they don't sum to the total of the problem here. Like this person might be aware of the fact that they're doing something wrong. And if you want to take a constructivist view of it and a rehabilitative view, you have to be able to incorporate these people moving forward who recognize that what they've done is incorrect and what they've the, and 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 are aware of the damage that they've done. And I suppose he's However, the only character like, that takes ownership for his. Well, yes, and, and that's well. emblematized by the fact that he's the only character that remembers Nina's name. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I, I personally think that uh, Emerald carefully allowed for that moment to happen. Yeah. But I also understand why people would be angry and saying it's unforgivable that someone has participated in that and that um, you can be as remorseful as you want, but you've still done the damage. Like, yeah, I, I can very much understand that perspective. So I know that that's a way in which it's, this has copped a fair bit of like negative um, reaction, I suppose. So yeah, does that sit? How does that sit with the two of you? Yeah, I think it's a good analysis. I mean, mm. I was just mostly surprised in the moment when he, yeah. he said, you know, I can't sleep. I can't forgive myself. I'll never forgive myself. I'll mm. never forgive myself. And then she says, I forgive you. Like almost immediately. Mm. Did you feel like it was earned or did you feel like you would have preferred that she didn't do that? That's tough. Hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah. Mm. I think I like that they afterwards, uh, it's implied that she's hired some sort of guy to like go beat up the lawyer and yeah. calls him off and yeah. says, no, you're not going in the house. Mm. I thought that was interesting that it wasn't just like a, a momentary thing that she was saying to, because at first when she said it, I thought it was like a, like a play mm. like, Oh, and but to, then she's going to go do this. And, and right. it was like genuine. Um, and I think it's after that, that she goes and sees, uh, well, what's her the Dean? Name? I think. Nina. Oh, right. Right, Sorry. right. right. Nina's mother. Um, oh right yeah of course yeah asks her to move on right is almost one of the most dismissive people being like can you please just give this shit up you're actually doing damage well yeah because you can tell that you know however long ago this has happened Mm. other people have been trying to who are negatively affected by it not just the people who perpetuated it and let it happen Mm. but even the people who are as deeply affected are trying to piece back together their lives yeah. and she's sort of stuck in not letting anyone move on from it. Mm. And you get that from her parents as well. Like she's living at home. I love the parents. They give her a suitcase <sighs> yeah. as a 30th birthday get present. And she forgets her own 30th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> really great. Oh. Yeah. I, um, I, I know I've seen the mom in other stuff as well, but I thought Clancy. She's um, from Legally Blonde. She plays Paulette. I haven't seen she's that, but yeah. American you haven't seen Legally well. Blonde no, and haven't. you have a movie podcast. <laughs> I have, yeah. I, but I, I haven't seen Legally Blonde. I haven't seen American Pie either. So I feel like that's the two genders there. You've seen Titanic. Seen <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah. Um, but I know Clancy Brown is like often typecast as this like evil man. For example, he's the prison warden in Shawshank Redemption, which is oh, how right. I know him yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. And so to see him as like purely this just, nice, like, nice dad, <laughs> I really just loved and was another in, insane inspired casting decision i think where i just kept expecting him to like snap at some point or whatever but he just like really wants the best for his daughter well (laughs) one thing i I noticed and i didn't know if you picked up on was um all of the guys that would take her home right before they started like 
trying to make moves on her would say like oh you're just so pretty uh, and then yeah. like two scenes later her dad's like before she goes out on a date with the Bo Burnham character her dad's like sweetie you just look so pretty and you're uh, like whoa I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't make the connection I remembered everyone saying that but I didn't pair it when the dad said it mm. yuck um yeah and she's like I'm going out with a friend yeah, yeah. Uh, you were talking about your friend Laura having criticisms of the movie. Do we so, get on? So that? the other one it was um, getting right in, which is a good segue to the way that I suppose the major twist of this story, which happens at the bachelor party when she goes to confront I can't remember the character Al, name Al, Al. Um, and uh, yes, and what happens there, and I suppose the criticism that based on I'm like I'm like skirting around saying it, um, she gets murdered. Yeah, so she goes to this bachelor party and it's supposed to be this moment of triumph where she drugs all the bachelors and then uh, the abuser is the bachelor and she takes him up to the bedroom pretending to be a stripper and handcuffs him to the bed Mm. and is going to like torture him with a knife. Yeah, she's going to carve Nina's name into his stomach, I think. And uh, yeah, so the, the but idea again, that it's implied that she's not necessarily going to kill him. No, I don't. think no, she, she wasn't. Is. I think she was, she's yeah. going to do. I think she's going to carve his name into yeah. his, uh, her name into his stomach. And as soon as she whips the knife out, the dude freaks out and smiles. Gets one of his arms. Yeah, out of, he manages to. Yeah. And so, like, I guess the idea behind that criticism, um, and this was like Laura relaying it. Um, so there's probably a fair bit of nuance to this, but the idea that the fact that she is killed is not a very hopeful message for survivors of sexual assault. And uh, like, yeah, but she's doing a lot of things. I know. Again, she's not supposed to be like a model survivor or in any way aspirational. It's just Mm. saying like, this is someone who's been traumatized by this and we're going to use the story of her, antics essentially to tell yeah. a story about the systemic problems yeah. but it's not like it would be a documentary if, if they were gonna right. or exactly. not, not a dark comedy that's no. maybe not this what is, this no. was maybe this is totally off base but i i kind of thought that yeah maybe i think so ha- <laughs> i kind of <laughs> thought that maybe half the point of having the main character like the main character could have been nina getting revenge for her own assault right but half the point i thought of having the main character like being having nina have this terrible thing happen to her and she dies and then her friend is the one that has the emotional burden she has to deal with and be the one getting revenge for it that way it's like one space removed i thought the whole point was so as to be not dealing directly emotionally with the impact that it has on the on the survivor rather it being about the larger societal problems related yeah. to it mm. and about how it impacts a broad scope of people one and again so that is a trope of the rape revenge fantasy is that it's the person that's been subjected to it directly yeah. whereas rather this is like than someone mm. associated with the person one space you know. removed and yeah. so i thought like yeah it's a tragedy that her character dies and it subverts your expectations in the film but i, I still kind of think that the the point of the film wasn't to give Maybe this is off base, but I thought that the point of the film wasn't to give hope to survivors because tragically um, Nina doesn't survive in this film. Right. And so the point is more about Carrie Mulligan's character and her coming to terms with that emotionally and her attempts to try and sort of, yeah, no, come to terms with it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would generally agree with that, I think it, it, it's not necessarily something that I that I kind of personally 
that that resounded with me very well. I mean, I, w- what's your what's your read on on people's negative response to that? Do you generally like? Hmm. Feel it's the same really way tricky as because said? I think it gets into a broader question of like, what is the role of a movie and what is it's meant to do? And I think I I actually hadn't thought of your point on it, and I really liked it about the point is that it, it wasn't done to this person. The victim is already deceased by the time the movie begins. Yeah. So it can't be about her experience. I think for me, the whole movie was about systems and how each individual can claim to themselves that they are a good person and yet perpetuate and allow terrible things to happen Mm. and, and just sweep them under the rug. And it was more about systems. And obviously we need to tell stories for us to, to connect with things emotionally. So it has to be told through the lens of somebody's eyes. Um, yeah. But for me, it was never about any one individual. It was about the systems. Yeah, right. I mean, and he, the, the dude kills Carrie Mulligan's character. Yeah. And then in the morning, his friend bursts in. And the first thing he says is, this wasn't your fault. Right. Yeah. And this is what... This, <laughs> and like, his, he's he's got his knee on her for so much fucking longer than like y- you need to. And it's like, I don't know. It's just this thing where I know he's panicking, but it feels like he very, could, very much could have like yeah. taken a different course of action. That is a... Horrifyingly long scene. It's so long. Yeah. I think that was being like he's gonna take his fucking knee off yeah. and they're gonna. Yeah. So and then it just goes on for so so much longer. Also, for the record, props to Carrie Mulligan. That was actually her on set. Damn. And that is something that Emerald Fennell said she definitely like did not need to be there for because it could have been a double. And she is like right in there all the time. She's Damn. that kind of actor, which is I awesome. Heard, I heard that was like a Tarantino kind of moment where Emma, Emerald said, like, she asked a paramedic friend of hers, like, how long would that take? Oh my right. God. And the paramedic right, was right. like, here's your answer. And they were like, right, the scene's going for that That's one. That's a God. Well, for me, what was important about it is that if they had cut away from that, you could have maybe thought it was an accident. Yeah. But the reason that they stay so long on it is that you know... I mean, it's a minute, like a full, yeah. and like you know, at the end of it, like he intended to do that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like yeah. whether, like, y- there's no mistaking that. Oops, like mm. I, I just pressed too hard, and then yeah. she was gone. Like yeah. it's a long scene, yeah. and it's I think so they do long. that intentionally so that the next morning, when his friend busts in, is like, it's not your fault, and he's like, yeah, you're right. Right. You're right. It wasn't my right. fault. So, yeah, when I was messaging, when Laura was kind of filling me in on this, um, w- we were talking about it and she said her perspective, which I generally agree with. I think this is her perspective is that um, the ending is to sort of or like that moment and the fact that you watch the whole thing happen and then you get that next morning where it's immediately like, how do we, <laughs> how do we, what story do we tell ourselves that this wasn't our fault and how do we protect each other? and the system is like, it's to show that these men are always going to act like this until something, something has to change. Some part of the systemic dynamic must change because it's not an accident and it's not a mistake or like, it's not due to being drunk. It's not any of those things that you hear after the fact you watched the whole thing happen. So you must make up your own mind. It's not anecdotal evidence from the people that did it. You were a witness essentially. Mm. Um, and, And I feel like the fact that this story does kill off the main character serves that purpose where it allows you to be a witness for the whole thing and be almost more objective than you otherwise would be because you saw the whole act happen and you see how these people then rationalize it to themselves. They burn a fucking body. They don't call the police. They try to cover it up. Like 
going to these insane lengths to yeah. abscond themselves of any responsibility of what happened. Like maybe she'd almost lose an opportunity to be criticizing that level of like self forgiveness. I think you would if it had a happy ending where she survives. I think and so. Yeah. Gets, like and like screws the guys over successfully. Right. Well, and I, I remember as she was going to like carve Nita's name into his body, I'm like, how is she going to get away with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, she's going to carve Nina's name in and then what? Right. Leave? And like, he yeah. knows yeah. who she is. Yeah. How does this end in a way yeah. that works for her? I guess if she threatened, like, the showing everyone the tape, he might have just been like, oh, fuck, I guess I can't do anything uh, about it. I didn't think of that. Maybe. Maybe. But I think what's really interesting about the idea that she goes into that scene and it kind of, for me, it acts as a little bit of a fulcrum against this perspective that it's negatively reflecting on the outcomes of survivors of sexual assault is that, like, it fits with the rest of her character, which is that she's extremely well prepared and she's a, like, she she schemes in a positive way. Like, she, she kind of games out these scenarios. She's got, she's like, it's well, like I said, she's well prepared. And so she goes to this place. It's the first time she's ever intended to be violent with um, any of these people. And I think she's, I think it was Emerald Fennell in an interview that, that said this, like, she's aware of the fact that she's taking this next step, which I think because of the start of the film where you saw her like crossing the names off and shit, you might not feel like it's the first time she's ever done this, but it is the first time she's ever Mm. intended to enact violence upon people, uh, upon men. And she's very well aware that she might end up being killed, being murdered. And even like the idea that this probably could result in one of the two of them being killed, right? She cues up all her... Postscripts, exactly. like and she I, I knows. That was cool. Exactly, I she, kind of she knows. The Ocean's Eleven kind of style, mm-hmm. right? Ending there, where you still get like, I, I feel like it. I feel like it gives you a bit of closure, and it sort of gives you like a, I think so, a happy, sad kind of ending in right. a way where like, you you kind of feel like. I kind of feel like people who didn't like the fact that she died just didn't like a movie with a bit of a sad ending. Am I being insensitive there? Like, uh, I, I, I suppose I, think, I, I suppose I am. But like, I, I think you're going to be particularly sensitive to that kind of thing mm. if you're particularly proximal to it. And I, I can totally so. understand that perspective. I personally didn't. That's not what that raised in me. Yeah. So like, I I get why people would think that, but I like the effect that it had on her character. I like the analysis it had of the way that men behave in situations where a uh, something as um, significant as sexual assault happens, or even far worse, which also often happens. You know, the idea that someone is is murdered, um, and and the way that those like yeah, there's systemic protections for men that there just aren't for women. So I liked the fact that it allowed for that analysis, and I still like that she got to have a cake and eat it too, where you get the wedding scene at the end, which yeah. like a, a you know a weaker film would would not have had that. I think a weaker film and a weaker script that was taking fewer risks would have. Um, had her maybe wrangle her way out of the party and go and mm. live happily ever after with with Bo Burn or some shit yeah. if she ever could find a way to do that. So uh, I'm not sure, or even just go on off by herself or keep doing feel, what she was doing. So it um, does feel kind of strange that like none of the dudes. It, it, it's very, it's very like it, it does feel strange when you're watching it that like none of the dudes get that redemption. You almost feel like Bo Burnham's going to get redeemed at the end. And then, like, he lies to the police. That's, yeah. That was the uh. most painful thing, I think, that I saw in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Was the revelation that he had been present at the time of the sexual assault. Yeah. 
and his reaction. Yeah, which it's is really horrifying. Defensive, lashes out, accusatory, accusatory, yeah. and yeah. and and then when the officer comes and says, you know, she's been reported missing, mm. and he just he lets the detective fill in the narrative for him. Totally, and yeah, he's like, do you think there's a chance she could have self harmed or whatever? And he's like. Yeah, she was in a pretty bad place or whatever. It's like, God damn, And what kills me, what kills me, right, is I've watched my fair, you know, of CSI and shows like that. And the detective says, you know, when was the last time you saw her? And he says, we were dating. And if you're Mm. a fan of crime shows, if somebody refers to a victim in the past tense who doesn't yet know what has happened to that person, it's generally a huge red flag. (laughs) But here, instead of being like, oh, that's a tell, because he doesn't actually know. The detective is just like, oh, they broke up. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he wants to hear that she has disappeared of her own volition right. and he doesn't and also, want to bother like, this nice pediatrician dating partner of a missing person is yeah. usually the like statistically statistical prime subject yeah, yeah. suspect yeah like I'm insane oh, that like oh. after everything that bo burnham has watched unfold in the movie he is giving himself the obviously he's like still defending himself and still being like oh well, i can't can't risk my own future for the sake of this I do feel, uh, but I think he doesn't really know anything about what she does. Really, like they, no, he knows because he told her that she that there was that bachelor bachelor. He told her about the bachelor party. Yeah, but that's off. That's in the same conversation where she reveals the video. Yeah, and so I think that he doesn't want. I think he's worried that he's going to get implicated. Well, totally. Video and but he covers his own ass. Yeah, exactly. At at her expense, and also um, in order to to protect. The rest of them, or inadvertently protecting the rest of them, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's what. But yeah. Kill- I didn't like about the end of the movie is you get the you get the catharsis of having the the killer mm. put away, but what happens to Bo Burnham's character? I'm not sure. I mean, I kind it's of assume kind of nothing. Yeah, and, and I felt like yeah. maybe that was uh, my my initial reaction was maybe that was her saying, if you hadn't done that one thing, you'd be with them, or like. It, it, you're essentially the same, but you're you were enough different that um this is my warning to you. Like I warned the other men. I don't know though. You know? But uh, she also, doesn't like, seem very when they have their last scene together. Yeah. she doesn't seem particularly like oh, but you were nice to me. So no, it's okay. she's not very sentimental. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, that's well, right. Because that's oh, his betrayal is so much. It's really worse. Really distressing. Yeah, like, yeah, because you get to see all of the good. Right. And I think and, some but of the, but at the moment of truth, it comes probably... to him defending himself again. Right, totally. Uh, uh, my second reaction was like, well, they're going to investigate and maybe they'll find out and she's assuming that. Yeah, but they really don't clear it but up and I left unsatisfied. The cop being like, well, it probably was nothing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this not, doesn't really bode well for mm. negative consequences for him. Yeah. Mm. Have you, uh, yeah. If we're sort of getting to the end of the... Getting to the end of yeah, the, I think we yeah, need to let you go. Yeah, I think we probably do. Have you all, have you all got a favorite scene or anything or something that particularly stood out that you really enjoyed while you were watching it? Because I feel like the this first movie shot does... of Carrie Mulligan, the yeah. first shot of her is my favorite shot in the whole film. Yeah, not not my favorite like moment of acting or anything, but yeah. like my favorite moment where it was just such juxtaposition with like these fucking dudes dancing. And yeah, and I feel like this does this this movie does the lighthearted comedy stuff very well as a very effective way of delivering the movie's thesis in a way that doesn't feel confronting or I mean to me mm. I, I'm luckily to be like a few steps removed from the, the content of the movie but I feel like it, it does a good job of presenting it in a lighthearted way that doesn't feel too as confronting as it possibly could be 
Like I think a lot of I think a lot of the comedy stuff is very well placed and very tactfully. Well, placed. it lets your guard down, right? Have and you got like a favorite scene? In the film? When they're singing along to Paris Hilton in the pharmacy. The pharmacy scene. Because it's such a... If you took it out and put it into any rom-com from the 90s, it would have fit perfectly. Absolutely. And I loved it because there was this part of me that just wanted to leave the theater right then. Because it was like, it's fine and she's fine and everything's fine. And I know that's probably not how it's going to end, but man, wouldn't it be nice if we could just... Yeah, walk away with Laura this. said she loved that. That was like the the furthest that her character gets from her designated path is like yeah. next uh, closest to a just normal fucking relationship where she's happy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think that the Paris Hilton song is such a good is such a good song choice because it gets so close to being like, is this just a rom com now? What's going on? And yeah. the fact that they're singing Paris Hilton's like, oh, that's such a self aware, insane picture yeah. song. Oh, that my, like my second it's favorite. Bo Burnham is such like an alt comedy <laughs> cool yeah. guy. The yep. fact that he's singing. He knows Paris all the Hilton. words to Paris Hilton. I'm like, oh, no, they know what they're doing here. Yeah, this is yeah, like, yeah. this is all being set up to fall. Yeah, I love that whole The rom-com. needle drops in this are fucking great too. Like when she's walking up to the house and it's the fully orchestrated version of Toxic. Yeah. <gasps> That's so oh, sick. That That's so fucking gorgeous. awesome. That's and like my second favorite moment. And I, I love the the soundtrack in general, just the it's way really that good. they use pop music. I was listening to it today at work. Because yeah. like that's, that's what I like to listen to. Yeah, I sure. love yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So to take it and, and turn it into this like thriller threatening thing, like Tox it's is fantastic. like possibly one of the best written songs yeah. of all time. I <laughs> yeah. Think. yeah. Not well, ironically, no, it's just so yeah, good. Sure. It slaps. <laughs> yeah, Emerald Fennell said in an interview that she likes pop music and she hates the fact that, like, in the same way as um, a lot of like rom coms are dismissed as chick flicks, mm. she said, and and in where you get that common trope where people criticize that as like, oh, yeah, because things it's coded that women as like are bad. Things that women that, like, yeah. yeah. And so she said, like, she feels like pop music is often dismissed in that same vein as like things that women like are bad. Mm. So she deliberately tried to pick uh, a yes, soundtrack girl. that was mostly mm. pop woman music. After my own I really like to her, like yeah. buck that trend. Yeah. If you want, cool. I can talk about how much I like Twilight. And that's all the time <laughs> we have left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that probably is all the time that we've got left. I think right? so. Yeah. I think yeah. this yeah. wasn't as focused a discussion as we'd hoped it'd be. But I hope you. I hope it was fun. I, hope we, I, I had fun. Great. Good. Good. I, that I makes hope, two of us. Hope you enjoyed listening Oscar. to it. I hope you got a good palette <laughs> of... Uh, but I think we all enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I'm keen to, I'm keen to see it again. Um, I think it's worth watching, even if... I feel like we didn't really spoil as much as we thought we would anyway. Maybe we did. I but mean... Like, I feel like if you got yeah. this far through it, it's still definitely worth watching because the, the ride of the movie, I think, is very, very well done. It looks great. It sounds great. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's very poignant in all the ways that I think it needs to be. Um, I'm going to give it uh, better than Clueless. Am I thinking of the right movie there? Clueless? That yeah. 90s. Oh, yeah, Alicia Silverstone so with good. all the suits. Right. I think it's better than Clueless, and I didn't enjoy it quite as much as I enjoyed Gone Girl. Those are my two. Ooh. That's my better than worse then. Yeah. But also, like, maybe equal to Gone Girl. I love that fucking movie. No, I, I think I agree with you. I'm, I'm happy with, like, a Clueless Gone Girl kind of thing. They're yeah. very different. It's almost like a combination of... It almost has know, the aesthetic yeah. of Clueless. The mood board for this film was apparently a thousand pages long. Fuck so yeah. That's fucking yes! Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I feel like Clueless would have been on there somewhere, which is why I feel okay with <laughs> adding that very much unrelated film into the <laughs> Hell better yeah. than worse than, but yeah. I think I'm happy signing off on that as the official beat, beat station better than worse than for this sure. week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Taryn, for joining us. Yeah, Thank you for having me. We'll see you next Great week. Guest. God knows what we're doing, but check the in the description. Knows? Probably Badlands and Minari. <laughs> <laughs> Neither oh of which you'll enjoy. Yeah, no, not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> see yep. you next week. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. And I'm Taryn. See ya. Bye, 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 bye.
Come busy, get your